live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Friday, 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 Friday. Mark McMillan alongside Adam Legion. Adam Hill is at Treasure Island, Golden Circle, Sportsbook, and Bar. Ari in the Finley Toyota Studios. Adam, welcome in. Our friend Mark McMillan. He's here for the UNLV game tonight against Fresno. What is up, sir? I'll see you soon. What's going on, Adam, man? I feel like we're back together, man. It was almost like we're a new addition. We, we, we went our different ways. We're not in the studio again. Now I'm side-by-side side with my man Steve Cofield, and I got my man Adam Hill on the, on the one and two. And we got Ari over there making things happen, baby. Who's, who's Ralph Tresvant? <laughs> <laughs> we might have to make a regular thing of this. We'll <laughs> That's awesome. So Mighty Max here, and uh, we're going to talk to you in OV football a little later on. Also talk to another former NFL player. If you guys don't know, Mark McMillan, former cornerback in the National Football League, most prominently with the Eagles. Rich Ornberger is going to join us later on. He's a former offensive lineman in the National Football League with the Chargers and the Pats, and he does radio down in San Diego nationally for uh, Fox Sports. He'll join us in about 30 minutes. So headline slash football frenzy coming out. The setup tomorrow, Mark, is pretty interesting in the college football playoff because – as we find all, uh, all the time in Vegas, we've got TCU and Texas going at it. And the BCS are number four and number 18. And all week, Adam, you keep hearing this, right? Can Texas pull the upset on TCU? Technically, it's TCU pulling the upset on Texas. Horn Frogs are getting seven. I mean, we're never, we're never going to win this battle, right? Well... You know, I don't, I don't know how to, how to handle it because I guess by the by the, the uh, CFP rankings, it is an upset, but you really should go by the point spread. Um, if TCU makes it all the way through, it actually is an upset. They only have a 4% chance of making it yeah. all the way through. What do you think is going to happen, TCU and Texas? Oh, it's a good game. Uh, you know, obviously Texas has been playing pretty good of late, but they always give up in the second half. You know, they're, they're giving up a lot of points uh, in the second half. TCU has been playing good football all year. You know, they've been winning the games that they're supposed to win. Uh, we talked about this earlier. TCU never gets respect. Yeah. Uh, you know, even they're just not—they're not that good defensively, and yeah. they didn't play a big boy at a conference. And let's be honest, the Big Twelve as a whole is a good conference, but it's a little bit down this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, it all goes with the strength of schedule. You got to play the big dogs at some point. You know, I always tell these teams if you're complaining late in the season, why not schedule one of these big dogs in the in the beginning of the season? Like Oregon, they go to you know Oregon, you get Notre Dame, they go to Ohio State. Right. You know. But, well, because Georgia could, and Oregon, you well, know, go get there the is, big guys. Because there is a risk. I mean, you could, you could lose and get blown off the field, and then not be in. But here's the thing for TCU because they didn't play a big non-con game. I would actually argue, Adam, we were just talking about the power that LSU has right now. LSU controls Woo! its own destiny with two losses. Man, LSU. How about this one? What if I told you? What if TCU eked by all four opponents, went unbeaten, 
Could I make the argument that LSU beating Bama and Georgia, a two-loss team, still deserves to get in in front of an unbeaten team? Yeah, but they won't. I mean, it, it's it's fun to speculate. I, I get it. But, yes, in, in that scenario, sure, absolutely. What do you think, Mark? Um, I, I think it, it, that's a good one, Steve. Um, you look at the strength of schedule, look at who they have to play. You know, obviously they played Alabama in a really good game. Uh, you know, a gutsy call at the end going for two. Uh, taking us out, uh, you know. So, you know, the division is is really tough. Uh, obviously, you know, playing Ole Miss, uh, you know, the SEC championship game is still kind of up in the air. So, you know, when you go in the SEC, it, there's no – you can't really say, like, they shouldn't be there because these teams are playing each other every single week uh, during the conference play. And then you have the SEC championship game. It was almost like the national title game. So it, it, it's going to be pretty interesting to see – uh, you know, Tennessee goes and blow. You know, lose, loses to Georgia. Georgia probably has the easier road to go to Atlanta. But who comes from it? You know, does Alabama squeeze in there? Is it going to be LSU? Does Ole Miss still have a chance? So it's a lot of things that still can happen. Boy, the update on the Bills for the Vikings game this weekend doesn't sound good at all, Adam. Because it's not just Josh Allen, right? Oh, it's elbow. Yeah, they're, they're having they're having a lot of issues, but <laughs> elbow cer- certainly. Certainly, Allen is the you know the biggest question, the biggest one that everybody's looking at. I will have to say there is no chance he's playing. I, I can't imagine any scenario where they actually put him on the field. Uh, but there is there is certainly more uh, to what is going on with with the Buffalo Bills as well. Uh, I'm just very intrigued by what they're doing because they didn't have him practice. They didn't have they then had him run on the field in a practice jersey and then look at the media and run off. Oh my god! The field. Like, they're playing games, which I think yeah. is much more troubling than anything else that's going on. Uh, Jordan Poyer, Greg Rousseau, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of issues there. And Look, the Bills, I don't think, care too much about the regular season right now. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to care about the playoffs. Are they? And, wait yeah. a second. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty smart, Wait, though. wait, wait. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't mind. I agree. <laughs> if Allen needs to rest four games and you rest them four games and you try to win, but – Wait, this ain't the AFC West. Yeah, the, the, the Raiders aren't. The Raiders aren't in the AFC East. The Broncos aren't in the AFC East, right? I'm saying this in Week Ten. How crazy is that, right? <laughs> the AFC East, all of a sudden, it's tough. It, it's tough, man. Uh, you know, there's no cakewalks. Uh, you know, and things are starting to heat up a lot too. So, um, you know, with the Josh Allen deal, you know, uh, you know, playing the game, they're playing the game within the game. Because if you're a defensive unit, you're thinking like, okay, who are we preparing for? They're holding Josh out. We don't know if he's going to play. You're not prepared for the backup quarterback. So, you know, they're just playing a little cat well, and mouse. I'll jump in. How prepared do you have to be for Case Keenum? You don't have to be prepared. Adam? You better be. It's revenge season for Case Keenum. Oh, is that uh, right? And by the way, <laughs> revenge K- season. K- K- it is. Uh, back, getting God. back in the Vikings. Uh, biggest <laughs> biggest moment in Vikings history in the last, what, 20 years would be Case Keenum to Stephon Diggs, the miracle in Minneapolis. Yeah. And yeah, now yeah, they're yeah. both on the field for the Bills against the Vikings. Oh, that's nice. uh, the magic back look, together. The other injuries are a concern for the Bills, but I'll say this: no Josh Allen, they don't slip that far. They got a very you got good a team. Of, you got a lot of confidence in this in this Bills team. They have, huh? they have a very good team, but you, they can't slip too far in that division. Obviously, the Ravens are getting better. You know, they added some some additions. Uh, Kansas City is still winning. Uh, well, in, so the, you, in the conference, conference. Oh, yeah. in the conference. Yeah, but he just said in the division. So. So the Bills aren't going to be sitting with the Patriots at 9-8 and eight at the end of the year, and Dolphins and Jets both have 10 wins? Ooh, Jets. Forgot about that. If, if Josh Allen gets, gets 
Tommy John surgery. <laughs> I'll still I'll bet on the Bills to win the Super Bowl. If Josh Allen misses four games. Uh, definitely. Well, then the odds wouldn't really change that much. But I'm saying if if he's if he gets Tommy John, they'll probably drop them to like 60 to 1. And then I'll bet them. With Case Keenum. Yeah. Wow, you really wow, do you, think, you, you, you like Case re- like that? He really does think the Bills are talented. Wow. I know. You must be getting some free wings or something. Somebody in Buffalo must have promised you some free wings to give Case Keenan all this love, man. Ton of talent on that team. A lot of times talent don't win ball games. You know, you you still got to put it together. There's there's a lot of talented ball ball clubs out there, but you got to put it together. Case Keenum, natural leader. Got to run the ball in December. I'll tell you that. Wow, who was that? John Abram now in Packerland. Adam, I know you were shocked by all the smiles man. and doing all happy videos. What's going on? What changed? The happiest man on planet Earth? John uh, Abram? Happy for him. What was that? What was that? <laughs> I, I was happy for him. You know, we were in, uh, you know, at the complex this week, and, you know, I know uh, Willie asked a question, you know, to the coach, and he kind of threw a softball up there. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask the question be like, you know, what really went into the dis- – the, the deciding factor that you said, okay, that's enough. We're going on from Abrams. We're going to go, you know, get some younger guys, some experience. Um, I've been on that end of, uh, end of the ball game before, you know, in San Francisco. Um, it, th- there was no warning. So, you know, I wanted to ask the question, like, did he know that week coming up, uh, you know, was he going to get released? Um, Hell, fr- did he ask for it? Well, by the way, he was smiling. By, by the way, he was smiling in Green Bay you during might- media availability. Did he ask for it? So what was the deal, Adam? Was it a combination of, uh, you know, not playing, you know, end of deals coming up? Was it his attitude early in the season in the locker room around some of the media people? What was it? I mean, look, when you aren't happy and you might be making other people not happy, you better be really, really good. Yep. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's part of it. And well, maybe that's why the 49ers released me. I wasn't really, really good. <laughs> but but the difference is I guarantee you weren't being a mope and a negative influence in the locker room. No, I wasn't. Not, you're not like that. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. And, and to his point, you know, even during pregame, I, I would go back to training camp. Uh, you know, he just – he never smiled. Uh, he was never really into it. You know, as far as being that leader, you expect a little bit more vocalism out of him. But I just never really saw that. Um, you know, even his play, you know, obviously you got to use him in different ways. You can't put him in coverage. I don't know why they kept putting him in situations where he had to cover guys in space. That is not his forte. So did they set the man up? I, I mean, I think it was just he was miscast. I think they wanted him to do a different, you know, play a different spot. I, I know, you know, there's been some talk of some guys on the defense who have had trouble picking up the defense and maybe that was part of it that uh-huh. nobody nobody has mentioned him specifically but if you hear coaches talking about trouble picking up a defense and then you release a guy you can maybe start putting two and two together uh but yeah he's been he's been grumpy he's, he hasn't been happy well should he have look- anybody in the secondary picked up the defense sure fair enough <laughs> uh nate hobbs has but he's hurt right now yeah yeah <laughs> uh but yeah you and the, and deron Harmon i think has been fairly good too yeah uh but yeah you you're in that spot and I think that there's times where, you know, you look around and say, why is this guy not not only not playing well, but also, you know, is not happy and bringing other people down as well? Right. Uh, it becomes easy to move on. But I just I was just struck by this player that has been seemingly angry to be there yeah. for two years. 
with the biggest smile I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> yeah. with a jovial conversation. He told he told the reporters in Green Bay about him and his best friend Keyshawn Nixon, who also used to be with the Raiders and now is in Green Bay about about their tattoos, about getting matching tattoos, <laughs> and their sharks because sharks don't sleep on Mondays; they just wake up in their sharks. Yeah, like who is this person? Every question we anybody asked him for the last two years it was two words. Yeah, it's not Who like is he's this guy. And he goes to Green Bay. It's not like Green Bay is winning. No, you know, you go to a losing team and you all of a sudden you just smile. But I, I, like I said, good for him, man. I, I hope he does well. You know, obviously, you know when you get cut from a team that drafts you, it hurts, man. There's uh, also, you know, there's, and we should be fair that there's also the possibility that um, he wants to just put a good, make a good impression. Maybe he was humbled by, yeah. Oh wait, I can just be cut. Somebody can just say no more and move yeah. on. Like maybe I better change a little bit. Like that's possible that that yeah. happened. I, I changed. I know when I got released, I changed. You know, I got to Washington. I was all smiles. Daryl Green's like, man, why are you so happy? You just got cut. I'll tell you one guy's not happy watching the Raiders is former Bronco Brandon Marshall, who just laid into in multiple spots this week. Josh McDaniel saying that guy's not a head coach. He showed it in the past. He's showing it again. And I thought this was really interesting where he said, hey, now guys aren't buying in, and they're ready to just walk away. They're not – uh, down with, you know, fighting for Josh McDaniels. And when things hit the fan, it gets worse with guys like that. You have guys retiring mid-season. Think about that. Mm-hmm. That's horrible leadership. You want guys to rally around. You want guys to say, this is his first year back. I'm playing for him and his wife and his kids. Right. They're doing the opposite. They're saying, I'm shutting it down. Man, Blake Martinez made it back to the NFL, had a good game last week, Mark, and retired this week. Does yeah, that say something about McDaniels? That, or We talked about Martinez having other reasons to walk away. But Pokemon cards? Was yeah, the Pokemon. The Pokemon <laughs> yeah, the Pokemon cards. But still, like, is, is Marshall overdoing it here? Or, I mean, guys are like, nah, it's not even worth it. That, there's something to that. You know, you, you figure, you know, the guy was just playing on Sunday, you know, making some plays. And now for an NFL player to just say, I'm done, you know, obviously you must have a, a good financial planner. Or you're just really fed up with what's going on in the locker room or what's going on in the front office or the coaching staff. It's not what you thought it was going to be for a guy to just maybe Monday. Can you give us like Monday? Be like, okay, I'm out. Right. And then, you know, you go to the rest of the week, but you wait to the – you're practicing. You're going to the meetings and all of a sudden you just wake up and be like, no, nah, I'm cool. I don't want to play in the league no more. There's guys out there breaking their necks to have that opportunity for, you know, but – Kudos to that young man. You know, he's out. Uh, I don't even know why they brought him in, to be honest. Well, like, you know, they, need, they needed him now. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they brought him in. I mean, they're, now they're beat the hell. That linebacker, we'll continue on this. We'll talk about uh, looking at the rest of the season and the whole you know tank theory and if players actually want to be any part of that. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. I would be remiss if I didn't just, obviously it's Veterans Day and thankful for all the men and women that have served, you know, and and done all the things that they do to protect our freedoms and give us the opportunity to do what we do. So thankful for all of them today and obviously it's a great day to recognize them. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. T.I. and Allegiant on a football Friday is Mark McMillan is here with us. Mighty Mac, former NFL player Adam Hill is manning the station at TI. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, former NFL player Rich Ornberger <coughs> in just a couple minutes, big offensive lineman who covers San Diego sports. So I wanted to ask you, Mark, 
with eight games, well, nine games left in the season, I mean, you can still make the playoffs if you're the Raiders. You got to play unbelievable football down the stretch, and Ooh. you're beat up at two and six. You were on some pretty bad teams, the Saints, and you know, you, I, I think back in your day, not to say that you're old, but you, know, you are. Um, that whole tank thing didn't exist. I don't. I don't. I mean, no. may, maybe they did it really quietly, but it didn't exist. And now it's kind of a reality, but it's weird in football because guys still got to play hard, or they get hurt. I just wonder what the Raiders are thinking in the front office and with McDaniel. You know, there's a slight hope of making the playoffs. But, you know, there's also slight hope in you need a quarterback of the future at some point. And Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and a couple (laughs) others are pretty good. And if you finish in the top ten, guess what you can guarantee? You can get a quarterback. So so how do you manage this? That's crazy even to think about that, guys tanking. You know, because not a lot of guys can make it to the National Football League. So the spots are limited. And you're always on film. So what you put on film, the next team, or if you're a free agent, they're going to see that. Or if you're trying to get an extension, they're going to see that. So football is kind of hard to tank, I think. In the National Football League, it's really hard to tank because you can see it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the guys are trying. Obviously, you know, the last couple of games against the Saints, they shut it down. You, You can see, guys, the effort wasn't there. And then they go to Jacksonville. The effort was there in the first half. And then the second half, you're like, what happened? And, and you look at the tape, you're like, man, these are NFL players. Do you want to say they tank it? I never want to say a guy quit. But some of those guys shut it down. You know, I, I would never question the guy's heart, you know, that playing in this game. It's a violent game. And not a lot of people would have the cojones to do it. Uh, but the front office – do you think like, hey, you know, well, CJ's out there. We got Bryce out there. Carr's getting a little old. It, there's nothing good in the media that's been talked about Derek Carr. Not, not lately, no. So you have to do something. Adam, what's the vibe? <laughs> what's the vibe you feel? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the the thing is you're always talking to players, and they don't want to. You know, I talked to Matt Collins yesterday who, you know, I kind of asked him. I said, you know, at this point in the season – Everybody outside is saying, hey, look, players are leaving. Guys are getting injured. They're going on IR. A uh, guy just retired. You're cutting guys. You're 2-6. and six. Like, the perception is, hey, it's probably best to lose games at this point. But as players, like, how? what are you looking at? And he said, well, I don't have to look very far. I was on a 1-7 team last year that finished 9-8. and eight, And we were, you know, inches away from being in the playoffs. And so, and that was with the Dolphins, of course, last year. So he's like, until you're mathematically out, you're still focused on winning. And even when you are, all of us are here for playing either for our team or another team or our job for next season. And so the player vibe is different than the front office vibe, I think, in a situation like this. But Josh McDaniels did say today, every single week, they come in preparing to win a game. But the (laughs) reality of the situation is, right, but the reality of the situation is, our job is not a nine-month job. Like, our job is now and the future to try to maintain something that can be sustainable for a long time. And, and so, that's kind of hard because it's a playoff team last year. It's not like it's just a team that's rebuilding. But they also, like, they also stunk last year. Well, that's they still we talk about that, that all the time. That's, that's strong. They won a lot of close games. Right. And their point differential was all jacked up because of the Chiefs, but they didn't stink. They were a middle of the, the road team right. in the league, and they won close games. They're a very average team, and the underlying numbers would suggest they should be nowhere near a playoff team, but they found ways to win. And now, but they're not finding those ways now. Right. It's not like they're finding ways to right. lose the games. And I, that, I'll, I'll go out and say I, I think they're a better team now than they were last year. <laughs> you know, 
The funny thing is we talked about this in the offseason that there could be a big step back. I just didn't expect it to be this big. And I didn't expect Carr to, you know, diminish by the numbers this far, especially with Devontae Adams around, but it's all happened. Yeah, well, what, what would you do, you know? Uh, it's Carr, you know, we've been, well, would, we've been down would, here for a while. I would what, play hard for another four games and see if I can go 3-1 and one or 4-0, and oh, and then at that point you have to start making decisions for the future. But it is a little early right now. It is, it's still a lot of football left, and anything can happen. But like Adam said, there's a lot of injuries. I mean, I'll tell you this. If they, if they lose to Jeff Saturday in the Colts, that's bad. That's a bad sign because that, that's an organization. Like, we don't know, is, is Ursay tanking? I mean, what are the players going to do? <laughs> are the coaches are like – what are we doing here? Like Gus yeah. Bradley's like, what? What just happened? John Fox? What, like, so and, if they lose yeah. to the freaking Colts and they're two and seven, oh boy. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be real. It, it's going to be a lot of beer flying here in uh, in the stadium if they <laughs> if they uh, don't win that game. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, they have, they have good guys on that staff. You know, Coach Fox. I know Coach Fox personally. Uh, he recruited me out of uh, junior college at the University of Pitt. So I'm excited to see him. Uh, you know, I haven't really talked to him. I didn't want to ask him questions like, hey, you know. Do you feel like you got slighted? You know, <laughs> you know. I didn't want to Bad talk to him about right it. now. Yeah, <laughs> so not, I just let not, it. Not real casual conversation there. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty interesting. Like I said, if they lose to the Colts, but we said that uh, what two weeks ago, if they lose to the Saints, oh my gosh. I know we keep saying you it. You know, if they lose to Jacksonville, oh my gosh. You know, it's like, or call him on the phone right now, <laughs> as we're on the air, and just be like, "Come on, man, Jeff Saturday, really?" <laughs> no, really? I'm not going to do my man off Foxy the record. Like off this. the record, I'm not going to do my man Foxy like that. I will say, probably Earsay is probably at the casino right now, having some drinks. I would say that he's clean. He's clean. Looking he's of right mind. I'm looking around. I'm looking around at the TI right now. <laughs> Tomorrow at 9 a.m., it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch live from the Treasure Island, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's going to be a challenge, as it has been for everybody who's faced the Hainer-led Fresno State offense. You saw 50-plus pass attempts, 300-plus yards in a couple games in a row, and a comeback effort. The Fresno State offense is back. It's every bit as good as we thought it would be before the season. And unfortunately for the Rebels, they're peaking at the right time. And it's, it's going to be a tough test at Allegiant, trying to contain those guys on the edges. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Caleb Herring on the way back, the former UNLV quarterback, talking about the weapons for Fresno State. We're going to get into that as we're getting ready for an elongated pregame today, Cofield and Company at Allegiant and Treasure Island. So we're up in the booth. Coming up at 6 o'clock, Magnum will take us through one of the pregames, the pre-pregame, and then uh, Caleb and Russ on the Learfield pregame. Mark McMillan is here, the former NFL player, former Philly Eagle. Let's bring in another former NFL player who covers the San Diego scene as one of the voices of the Aztecs program that's rich Warnberger. rich how you doing i'm doing really good yeah i just heard that little uh, bite about fresno state and jake hayner and the turnaround that they've had since he's been back in the fold there i was on the call for the aztec uh fresno state game a couple weeks back and that was one of the craziest games i've ever witnessed in my life uh jake hayner the the sort of uh perseverance that he showed through that game he got hit a ton i think he got hit 14 times during that game stacked seven and led his team to a comeback uh that included an onside kick recovery and two touchdowns scored over the span of 13 seconds it was insane it was absolutely insane and uh he deserves a ton of credit especially in his first game back from a pretty severe ankle injury Yep, and then he bounced back against Hawaii and threw for like another 380. So he's got over 700 yards in two <laughs> games returning. He's got seven touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he bludgeoned 
UNLV last year, a, a beat, you know, a young UNLV team went to Fresno and lost 38-30. He's that kid's awesome. And then his weapons, I mean, this offense they run, it's just it's wide receivers coming from you at every angle and and they have four guys and, and Moreno Cropper's the best, but they have four guys at any moment any one of them can go 50-60 yards. Oh no, I remember. Um shoot, uh, Zane Pope had a huge game 2 weeks ago. I didn't look at the Hawaii stats, but Remigio's good. Um, like you said, Cropper's good. I mean, Mims, you know, I mean, there's yep. no doubt in my mind he went for over 100 against Hawaii. Like I said, I didn't look at the, state, at the, the stats, but that's just who he is. He's just like a, a, a game week, you know, dog. I mean, the guy is he's just I, the, the whole offense. I mean, and again, the cherry on top, obviously, is Hainer, who's a tough dude, hangs in that pocket. And just deliver strikes. So, yeah, Fresno State looking good down the stretch of this Mountain West conference schedule. Rich Hornberger is with us. He's uh, one of the voices of the Aztecs, former NFL player, does uh, radio in San Diego, and, of course, uh, a lot on Fox Sports National. All right, so we were down there last week. UNLV was down there last week. Uh, we were doing the broadcast and, and, you know, wound up being a tight game. A couple of mistakes by UNLV, a game they could have won. Real smash-mouth game. What do you think of the Rebels? Rebels are good. I mean, they're they're much improved year over year. Um yeah, you know, look at Brumfield back from injury, you know, very similar to how Hayner was two weeks ago against the Aztecs, and he's the engine that makes that offense go. Uh, they definitely have some weapons on the outside. Um, they are they're trying to do what everybody is trying to do in this conference, which is establish the run. And Fresno State obviously is doing the best job of that. But if you can if you can establish the run, you can really control this conference. You know, and the teams that typically have had the most success year after year. You know, the Fresnos, the Aztecs, uh, even the Air Forces, the Wyomings in certain years, it's because they're supplementing their offense with the pass game instead of leaning on it. And that's when these offenses are at their absolute best. And so there's no question they're trying to get back to that. The Rebels are. Brumfield's a big part of that running offense, and he's got some ability to extend plays. Um, But, you know, it's a work in progress. But it's, it's heading in the right direction for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I know you mentioned that game a couple of weeks ago when they were playing uh, San Diego State. I, I I pretty much packed it in. I was like, man, there's no way they're gonna, you know, the quarterback was getting beat up real bad for Fresno State. Yeah, and I was like, there's no way they're gonna come back and win this game. But the, the resilience of that team, uh, and obviously the quarterback is a really good guy. He's tough as nails, and then they come back and win that game. You know, that says a lot about the the, the makeup of this football game, this football team. And it's going to be very uh, interesting to see how this plays out tonight here. In Las Vegas. And, and also says a lot about Jeff Tedford. Tedford really is one of the, the more underrated guys in college football, Rich. Yeah, yeah. No, he absolutely is. You know, and I, I feel like there's a couple of those in the Mountain West. Like, I look at Tedford that way. I look at um, – How about Brady Hoke? How about Brady Hoke? Yeah, we, were, we were talking about Brady it after Hoke. the game. I'm like, I'm watching – you know, we're covering the Rebels, but I look up and I'm watching the press conference, Brady Hoke smiling, and I'm like, this guy, <laughs> they always – like, San Diego State always – well, not always, but – most of the time, wins close games. It's like they just know yeah. they're going to win. And that's got to be yeah. hope. Hope got to be a big part of that. Well, it's about belief, you know, and, and you guys got it right with Tedford. Hoke is a good example of that. Um, you look at San Jose State, this guy Brennan, he's done an excellent oh job turning around that program. Yep. And then, really, Marcus Arroyo, I don't know how you guys feel about him or what the, the word is in Las Vegas, but. Just watching the film, and, you know, I've been on the call with the Aztecs for six years now, and so I've seen a lot of Rebels film. 
And this is the most I've belief I be, I think I've seen in a in a UNLV team so far. What that means is you can tell when guys pack it in. You know, yeah. you can tell when guys have had enough and they're they're raising the white flag a little bit. I'm not seeing a lot of that or any of that at a UNLV this year, which is a step again in the right direction. Uh, what, but what is the word on Arroyo out there? Well, I think it's much more positive than it was a year ago, and he made a decent impression a year ago because you know they they got involved in uh, what six games that were decided by eight points or less. Now, unfortunately, they went 0-6, but they fought in almost every game. They had two games, I think, where they kind of wilted down the stretch. So the, the fight is there. The buy-in's there. He's recruited pretty well. Um, I mean, the the comparison here is, I, I don't know if you know this, but he's really good buddies with Brent Brennan. And Brennan at San Jose State walked in in a rebuild. And Brennan, the first couple of years, won, I think, one game and two games. And then year three, that's when they jumped up. And actually UNLV yep. beat them to drop them uh, to five and seven. They didn't make a bowl. So it's kind of on the same exact path where UNLV has a chance here to get to a bowl game. I don't know if they win tonight, but they have a chance to beat Hawaii and Nevada. So it's close. I will say this. They started out four and one. They can't finish four and eight because then a lot of the goodwill that was developed early in the year goes bye-bye. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Look, I mean, football is a bottom line sport, you know, and results are results. And, you know, come season's end, that's how we adjudicate who are the good coaches and who are the bad coaches. And there's not a ton of gray area because that definitely means more negative, especially when we're talking about coaching. You know, you want to have winning programs. And the only way you do that is by winning those close games, is by closing out close games, is by is by having finishing seasons strong like you're talking about. So, yeah, if full eligibility is hanging out it, – you know, in the very near distance here with a couple of wins to go, they got to get there, you know. And, uh, it, it, I, look, Fresno is a challenge. There's no question about it. But I'd argue that so is San, is San Diego State. And that was a war to the final quarter, man. Yep. How is San Diego, the community, feeling about the possibility of all the Aztec uh, athletics programs joining the Pac-12? You know what? That was an interesting Monday, right? Dan Patrick sort of almost in transition from one topic to the next sort of blurted out that he's heard that San Diego State by week's end is going to join the Pac-12, which didn't make sense or line up with anything that we've heard. And then I checked in with all my sources everywhere in college football, you know, and could not find a single person who'd confirmed the report. So, like, let's put it this way. Fans would be thrilled if San Diego State joined the Pac-12, and so would I, because I think that their ability both on the basketball court and football field is commensurate with that, that conference's output. I think they would fit in really well there. Um, just, just in terms of, you know, the timeline and when they'll join, uh, remains to be seen. <clears throat> Obviously, the Pac-12 has a lot to work out with their broadcast network deal, and, and how that's all going to work out is really contingent and what happens with the expansion of CFP, if that's sooner or later, uh, what happens with other conferences. You know, so I, I sort of feel like there's a couple of dominoes that need to fall before we get to that decision-making process. But I do feel like if there's a team that potentially will elevate into the conference, it will be San Diego State, especially if both USC and UCLA vacate the Pac-12 for the Big Ten it just makes sense that you'd want a Southern California foothold in the conference, and that's where the Aztecs come in. Rich Hornberger with us from Fox Sports National, does radio in San Diego, and, of course, one of the voices of uh, the Aztecs football program. I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. This is a tough one. Um, Raiders lose to the Colts. That'll be kind of embarrassing with all the problems with the Colts. 
If they moved on on Monday from Josh McDaniels, Mark Davis calls you up and he's like, you know what, Rich, I want you as my head coach. You take the job? You know what? I I I think I do. You take that uh, job. Is that right? you take that job, man. Yeah, you take coach that job. of the Raiders. Take right? that job, man. Take I, that job. I, I, <laughs> I, I think I think I do just so I could hang out with you guys. There you know. Uh, <laughs> listen, this this, uh, this this Jeff Saturday hiring. I mean, look, there's again, there's going to be no gray area. Either it's going to be viewed as a success, right. and Jim Irsay and the Colts are going to look be looked at as geniuses, or it's going to be a failure, and they're going to be looked at as fools. And I don't think anybody is going to judge Jeff Saturday completely harshly unless he really, really does something absurd. The absurdity is the fact that he has the job altogether. So if, if he somehow finds a way not to embarrass himself, but they continue on a losing path, okay, fine. Well, that, that was the expectation anyway. But if somehow they caught lightning in a bottle and he just happens to be that influential of a leader that they're able to put together a couple of winning weeks or even finish this season with a winning record or an even record through the last eight games, say they go four and four. That's a magnificent success compared to where they are. They're basically playing with a backup quarterback. Um, The offense hasn't clicked at all. They went from having one of the best offensive lines in football to one of the worst performing offensive lines in the NFL. So it's a bizarre season for the Colts, especially considering there were people who were talking about the Colts as a potential dark horse candidate for the Super Bowl this preseason with the move to get Matt Ryan and Frank Reich and his success with veteran quarterbacks in the past. Um, so, yeah, everything's falling down around them. So, I mean, is it completely shocking that Jeff Saturday has the job? Yes. Would it be shocking if they end up having success with Jeff Saturday? Yeah. But, I mean, is it possible? Well, yeah, it's possible. We'll see, though. I, 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 I was going to say, I'll, yeah, yeah good, Mark. I, I, I think the guys are going to come out and be motivated. Um, you know, they're going to rally behind Jeff. You know, it, it, if you just look at his career and look what he's about, um, he's a football guy, uh, and I'm sure he's going to have a different uh, tone, a different voice in the locker room. And guys know that their jobs are on the line, and he has a he has a lot of say so in it. You know, when you get when you come from coaching high school football in Georgia to coaching in the National Football League, um, you know, you got a little juice in that organization and you got a little say so to if guys should be there or not, because he's going to be a part of that organization in some capacity, whether this works out or not. Um, you know, they just they just he's just a high quality guy. Um, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, they're going to come out like gangbusters. You know, they're going to come out fired up. They're playing against a wounded Raider team. No one fears the Raiders. So, you know, the coach are like, hey, what do we have to lose? Um, the Raiders are supposed to win the game. What is it, what's the point spread, Steve? Are they supposed to win the game? Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not big. It's, it's four and a half, five. Raiders are favored. So, you know, they, they do have a really good uh, defensive line. The secondary is solid. So they have some things that they can do uh, to come in here and get a win against the Las Vegas Raiders. Will we be shocked after what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks? I would not be shocked. What do you think, Rich? Colts going to win? Yeah, I mean, look, is it, again, like I said, is it possible? Yeah, yeah. But, but at the same time, I mean, if you guys, you know, it's not a leap to imagine by the end of the first half, the Raiders leading by two touchdowns, then it's sort of being a runaway in the second half. And us looking at Jeff Saturday on the sideline, you know, they keep giving close-ups, talking about his 13 <laughs> years in the NFL and all the Pro Bowls. 
and, you know, he's sweating a little bit and, you know, gosh darning it out there. I, I could see that too. You know, look, it, the Colts right now, they're performing like a bad football team. And, and I don't think it's necessarily all attributed to their head coach. I mean, in fact, you know, look, I played for Frank Reich. You know, it, it definitely affected me that he gets left holding the bag for this one because I don't think he was the problem. Right. And I don't necessarily know if he was going to be part of the solution. I don't know if there's necessarily saving this situation or this season for the Colts. But that's a guy who, very similar to Jeff Saturday, is a leader of men. He's a tremendous voice in front of the room. He's an order that people uh, like to hear from, you know, and, and, and maybe that message went stale. I don't know. But the Colts have more problems than just their head coach. And so I don't know what Jeff Saturday comes in and resolves in a week. But to your point, you can see a turnaround emotionally from teams and they're playing off of pure adrenaline where it's like, hey, we got to win for this guy yeah. because he put his neck out for us. Yeah, We better go out there and put our necks out for him. Yeah. Do you think Peyton Manning got a call from Saturday? You think oh, he has a little I, influence? I, did Peyton get a call? Right. Peyton Manning got a call from, from Jim Ursay first <laughs> asking him if he wanted to be the head coach. Sure. Jeff Saturday was not the first vocal. Let's be honest with each other. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe Peyton was like, hey, call my man Jeff. You know, That's my guy. It was my center, so give it to Jeff. He, he'll be all right. <laughs> I will say this. I, I think centers in the NFL, I had the privilege to play next to a Remington Award winner at Penn State. I played next to Dan Copen, who won three Super Bowls with Tom Brady with the Patriots and Pro Bowls himself, and Lyle Senlime, one of the best, grittiest centers in Arizona Cardinals history. Nick Hardwick with the Chargers, who's basically a second quarterback on the field with uh, Phillip Rivers out there. Yeah, All those guys are smart enough to be head coaches, but the one thing that separates them from head coaches is experience. You know, yeah. you, there, there is something to be said about experience. Is it everything? No. But is it important? I'd argue yes. So hey, Irsay, he, Irsay, he, he's glad these guys don't have experience. He's like, I'm glad, I'm glad my guy don't have any experience. Because yeah, he's not scared. He's not worried about analytics. You know, it's like. <laughs> that was a little weird. I will say that was a little weird, but whatever. Irsay is a little bit weird. Hey, Rich, we, we, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Rich Hornberger, who's doing uh, radio in San Diego on Sports 760, doing the morning show now. You do a lot of radio all week, and I know you probably have some more coming up this weekend. So thanks for giving us some time. Uh, guys, anytime, anytime. Call me anytime. Happy to be on with you. Have a good night. All right, you keep too. up the good work, man. There he is. Rich Hornberger, former Patriot, Charger, Cardinal, and he's on Fox Sports National. You'll hear him on our sister station, 1340 and 98.9 FM. He uh, does spots all the time with Gottlieb, some of the best football insider spots you're going to hear. We're going to close it out here, last 10 minutes or so, getting ready for the UNLV game against Fresno State. We'll hand it off to uh, Chris Chapman, who's down on the concourse with the pre-pre-game kickoff. 7.30, 7.30 kickoff, so uh, get on down here. Plenty of tickets available. Should be a hell of a game. Could be a shootout. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3-6 to six show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Hill wrapping things up at Treasure Island. Tomorrow, Willie and Gooch throw the flag. Doing their morning show, 9 to 11, at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Remember, they have breakfast, chorizo con papas breakfast bowl, breakfast sandwich, chicken uh, chilaquiles, and the breakfast meat lovers quesadilla. Yeah. 
Saturday and Sunday morning. They had the, they had the breakfast. Yeah, the bottomless mimosa and also Bloody Mary pitchers. That's Mark McMillan. You can see Mark. Mark's nice enough to come down and spend an hour with us. I appreciate man, that. Come on, man. You know I always got to look out for you guys, man. You always look out for me, man. Channel 8, Sunday mornings. What's going on? Channel 8, Sunday morning, man. I'm on with my guys, Ron and uh, Chris, every morning doing Raiders pregame live. So, you know, I have to go out and buy some suits and some ties. Because, you know, on the radio, you can just wear anything on the radio. But now I'm on the TV. So check us out every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. on Channel 8 here in Las Vegas for Raiders pregame live, baby. Adam, do you have any time tomorrow? Are you definitely covering the uh, running Rebel game? I'll be at the Rebel game and then uh, zipping on over to the uh, Golden Knights. Mark's got oh. a pizza fest that he's going to. He wants us to go, but it's in that it's in that zone. What's going on with this? Oh, tomorrow, man, from 1 to 4 at the uh, Destro Park. Uh, Destro Space, man, they're going to have the uh, Pizza Festival. So there's going to be a lot of pizza places. Uh, our guy at Naked City Naked Pizza. City, yeah. uh, Naked know, City's there for sure. Pizza Rock is going to be there. So there's yeah. going to be a lot of pizza that's going to be going on. So, man, make sure you tune in or come on out tomorrow. The Industrial Event Space, 2330 South Industrial. It's a big pizza festival. So, oh. damn, I'm going to miss it. Oh, my One goodness. to four. One to four. Get out there. Okay. Well, maybe I'll see you at the hockey game tomorrow, Adam. I'll have probably yeah, some bring, crust. Bring some. <laughs> that was what I was going to say. Bring some slices. He's like, I'll have some crust. That'll work. We'll bring you some crust. That's all he gets. <laughs> my Lord. He <laughs> said cauliflower. He said cauliflower. Uh, by the way, important programming note, uh, William Ramirez is always listening. Uh, Bryson Stott, near world champion. Bryson Stott, that's a guest booking move. Bryson Stott, hometown hero, going to be on tomorrow morning between 9 and 11 on Throw the Flag. That's cool. Get in the back. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, tomorrow's a big day, Adam and Mark, uh, for UNLV <laughs> recruiting because uh, remember D.N. Thomas who played at UNLV? Well, his son, D.J., is looking at a bunch of schools and supposedly Gonzaga and Arizona are in the lead. I think UCLA's in the top six. Well, he's looking at UNLV, and I know he's been to games before. Uh, he'll be taking his official visit this weekend. So, big weekend. If they can steal a kid like this, a legacy kid, that would go a long way in you know building the program back to where they want to build it. You know, last year they went after Kylan Wilborn, and that point guard chose Arizona. So, this is a big one, Adam. Real big. It is, and uh, if Gonzaga is one of his schools, and they may lose tonight, they are uh, they're in a, they're off the list. They're in a scrap with Michigan State on an aircraft carrier right now, uh, 64-63 Zags with a minute left. So maybe Gonzaga loses, UNLV wins, maybe sways him in the right direction. Mm. Possibly, he's a good Possibly. player, really good player. Possibly, he knows the program, and it's funny. Uh, there were some folks on Twitter saying, well, couldn't they have picked a better game for him to go to? These kids are not stupid, and he's a local, and this isn't the only game he's going to go to. Right. Uh, recruiting a kid is not about coming in for one game. Now, that said, it would be nice to be back to 12, 13, 15,000 people at the arena, but these kids are very advanced, and they're recruited for years. He knows the program pretty well. Yeah, and look, you can also ask – you know, his dad about how games went. It's not, it's not like he has no affiliation, no connection uh, with, with what has gone on at UNLV. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, Mark, what's going to happen this weekend? Are the Colts going to come in here with Jeff Saturday and freaking beat the Raiders? You know, I really want to say no, but the way the Raiders have been fading of late with the injuries that they have uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, I still got to pick the Raiders just because of the experience. Uh, you know, they have everything intact as far as the coaching staff. 
But, man, Steve. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's a tough one, man. So I'm going to say they're going to pull it out. Uh, obviously, I, I think Jeff, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs is going to have a really good game. Devontae Adams is going to be Devontae Adams. We just don't know which Derek Carr is going to show up. Yep. All right. Big night tonight. We'll see if UNLV can pull off the uh, mild upset against Fresno State. We're going to hand it off in about five minutes to Chris Chapman, who's down on the concourse with the uh, pre-pregame show. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Ari. <laughs>